I thought you didn't like Bruce. I don't like Bruce. It's a shithole. But I did already say I had a date with a Belgian lady in the Belgian film business, which I did already say about before. I'm just don't get into any fucking trouble. We're keeping a low profile. And this morning and this afternoon, we are doing what I want to do. Got it? Of course. Which I presume will involve culture. Well, we shall strike a balance between culture and fun. Somehow I believe, Ken, that the balance shall tip in the favour of culture. We have a special guest tonight, so tonight we shall strike a balance between culture and fun. This is Special Guest Spoilers. This is Spoilers. I liked mine better about the... Oh, yeah, well... uh, Little person. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> nah, Sam, it's tell, the, the pod. tell the rest of the class. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's your joke. All right, we have a. Uh, I'll just be honest. I've had a crazy last hour and a half, but we're gonna move on. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna have a really good pod tonight. Like I uh, first, I'll say we are doing uh, what two thousand eight, seven, six. Dylan, you know it is eight. Welcome to a bread <laughs> episode. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Edit that. Uh, in Bruges, and we have a special guest tonight. I told um, a friend of the pod, Dylan, film Dylan, sent a study about a year and a half ago that I was going to pick what I knew to be one of his favorite movies. Uh, the next movie I picked, and again, like I said, that was a year and a half ago, and I finally picked <laughs> it. And we are very, very happy to have Dylan on with us. This is what you're... It's at least your second pod with us. How many have you done with us, Dylan? Oh, way more. Probably maybe maybe five. I want to say awesome. that's my guess. Number five, lucky number five. I know we worked together on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And Oh Brother, Jojo Rabbit, um, mm-hmm. couple couple down the line. Heather's Heather's was a fun one. Oh crap! Yeah. You were on with. Uh, I know that was your pick. I forgot. Okay, cool. All right, everybody. Patreon. We should say Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Yes. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Dylan. Uh, as Corey said very douchily, it's a Brett episode. You guys know what's up. <laughs> so we are going to uh, just to let everyone know, Josh, something came up about an hour ago. He had to leave. Mikey, about 25 minutes ago, had to leave. So we went from a full boat to a smaller boat. <laughs> a boat maybe we could float down a canal in Bruges. Mm. But we are going to start with, let's go west to east so we can give... Uh, Dylan, a little time to get acclimated. I have these weird debate the internet questions. We're going to go quick. It's going to be a long, fun pod, but um, instead of picking, I'm going to give them to you. So we have Corey here. Uh, which one makes best for him? Oh, no, he hates music. Uh, okay. Corey, if you had to get one movie quote tattooed on your body, what would it be? And tell us where you're recording from. Hi, this is Corey. Kylo Ren memes recording out of Simi Valley, California. Uh, I don't know. You know, I I didn't have one in the can. It's a, a tattoo is permanent, Brett. This question is sudden. Why don't you just pick one? Mm. Why don't we come back to you then? Can we come back to you? I wasn't going to mm. give you that one. Sorry, but I, I, I just threw it on you. I apologize. I will. Let's come back to him. All right. That's my bad. I'd say uh, look at the big brain on Brett from Pulp Fiction. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was hoping for something from Hugo Snyder, but that's okay. 
All right, who's our next Westest? Me. Pap. I think, well, wait, or Steve. Yeah, I'll go now. Uh, I was going to give this one to Stevie, but okay. Uh, if you had to make your sandwiches with the same two meats and one cheese for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Oh, God. I love a sandwich, man. See, I feel like the responsible answer would be like chicken, turkey, American. Or something healthy. Like, if this is the only sandwich I'm eating. If I'm just being me, though, bacon and prosciutto with pepper jack. See, I was thinking something like a ham because there's, what, like 48 different types of ham that you can mix up. I got criticism from taking ham eight ways on my pizza a few episodes (laughs) ago. I learned my lesson. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, This has got to be Stevie. All right. This is a... It's got you all over it, Steve. All right, let's do it. You have to choose three animals to start a zoo. Who are you choosing? <sighs> Great question. Great question. Man. See, the thing is, is like I'm very anti-zoos. I was going to say, let's pretend. Let's pretend these animals are all treated really well. Yeah, they have I mean, unlimited space to move <laughs> I st- around. I'm still waiting for like someone to blow up SeaWorld, but <laughs> what if I said crossed. nature? If I said nature preserve, <laughs> would that be better? Okay, that's better. Yeah, it's, it's a lot better. Nature preserve. Okay, that's better. This is Stevie recording from Elkhart, Indiana. Um, three animals to start a zoo. Okay, or a preserve. So I would definitely go gorilla. Ooh, nice. Mm. Silverback gorilla. I think that they're just extremely interesting, kind of fascinating animals. Um, Congo episode coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. Let's go. Um, then I would have to say, man, I'm a big fan of leopards. The strength that a leopard can kind mm. of roll with is a lot of fun. Um, they're just really interesting to watch. They're fun to watch. Then, since we don't have the ocean, I can't say orcas, because those fuckers (laughs) deserve to be free, and they're so highly intelligent, and they're starting to attack boats now, which is extremely interesting. Let's go. Let's go. They're, as teams, taking down ships. Um, But um, (laughs) There's going to be a war between the black elephants and the white elephants. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a war, man. Well, Uh, my third one uh, would be... This is actually a really strange one. This would be something for like kids to be able to like hold and oh, kind of just bond with. Um, I would go with a finger monkey. Um, <laughs> they have a lot different. A finger mm. monkey. Oh. Um, they're very uh, interesting animals. Extremely. Essentially, you can't leave them alone for more than twenty-four hours; otherwise, they'll try to commit suicide. Wow. Um, th- they're extremely like bonding animals. Um, they like to at least be with like a sibling or a family. Um, and they're like, they're really like, as I said, like the size of a finger, they're tiny. There's a bunch of different names for it, like pygmy monkey, finger monkey. I forget the actual name for it, but you can find them in Brazil and South America and other places. But yeah, I'd say a finger monkey. I thought you'd do well in this, Stevie, and you did not disappoint. Didn't even go for any of the the larger cats or bears. So that's exactly (laughs) what I was hoping for. I did see one that it said, if you trained your son from birth to 21 years old to fight a gorilla, would he win? And I said, <laughs> no. no. He wouldn't. They'd tear Absolutely you in not. half. <laughs> They'd like literally rip your arms off and probably beat you with them. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Which brings us to our special guest, uh, recent graduate, Dylan. Yeah. Let's see. I'm going to make you make some enemies. Uh, 
You have a Ooh. choice between a sum of money and world peace. How much money <laughs> would it take for you to give up world peace? Ooh. Whoa. This one, oh, give me a spicy question here. Well, first of <laughs> yeah. all, to, to punt on my answer, I'm just going to say thanks for having me on <laughs> to start. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say it's always exciting to be on. Uh, what is that? What is that price point? That's a great question. It I is. wish this was not something like world peace and said, like, how much money would you have to pay me to, like, go see the Little Mermaid or something like that? You know, that'd be like, <laughs> it's like just bringing pain on me and not the entire world. Yeah, um, for sure. I don't know. I think at some point, like, the amount of money is almost, like, trivial because there's just a certain threshold where it's like, all right, now you're just rich, you're set. Like, you don't even have to worry about it. So I, I would want to hit whatever the minimum is there, I guess. But then I'm still sacrificing world peace. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going I'm to put it at, at just a solid bill. That, that might be a billion dollars might be where I have to consider if I don't want <laughs> world peace and just hope, hope that things are going well. I'm like, oh my God, Dylan's a monster. <laughs> One bill. Yeah, because you want to be able to take care of your family and friends and stuff. It's got to be, it's got to be high for me to sacrifice literally yep. everyone I know and everyone I don't know living a nice, calm, serene life for the rest yep. of human existence. <laughs> hey, let's be fair. If they were world peace, it wouldn't last. So, all right, fair, you know, fair. I don't know if that's the part of the question or not, but all right, cool. <laughs> I don't think anyone, I don't fault you. I probably would have gone a hundred million or higher, but yeah, mm. a billion sounds pretty cool to me. I guess I could live with that. That would be a tempting, tempting price point. By the way, Dylan, do you want to come on Big Dumb Movie and do a podcast on The Little Mermaid? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what's what's your offer? What's the what's the price point? Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. Publicity, $1 baby. Billion. All right, fair, fair. <laughs> all right, cool. So I know I say this all the time, and I'm going to stick to it. We did it well last time. We're not going to go through the plot here. Um, we're going to talk about specific relationships. Oh, are you going to come back and give me my quote or what? Oh, crap, yeah. Oh, cash in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So a lot of people get like, you know, Asian script tattooed yeah. on them. They'll mm-hmm. get like some word like Chinese that says like hope soup. or something on the back of their neck. Chicken noodle soup. Yep. I'd get Japanese script, Brett, and it would say mind, body, spirit, and heart are one. What's that from? Because Mori Tanaka says it in <sighs> Three Ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Should have known that's what. Four strands of rope, baby. Yeah, oh yeah. You gotta get the rope, too. <laughs> just, <laughs> just uh, Japanese, it means rope. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, let's get into this. Uh, Dylan, was this your first time watching in Bruges? Far from it. This has got to be yeah. in the like four or five range. And honestly, that might be an underestimate. I've seen it in bits and pieces a lot. Maybe sitting down, making a conscious effort to watch it, probably, probably five. Yeah, you have at least four separate ratings on In Bruges. Uh, All right, that sounds about right. Yep, yep, that sounds about right. Uh, uh, Pap, is this your first time? No, nope. I've seen it at least two other times. One time on a plane. I think I was flying to Europe at the time to like get hyped. You always hate watching movies on planes and in airports. Um, well, I do, but then I'm like, I walk into an airport and I'm a total iPad kid. Like, you can't tear it away <laughs> from me. And I just have my headphones on the whole time. So, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it was good on a plane. It's a good plane movie. A lot of snappy dialogue. Mm. It's fun. Yeah, what about Corey and Stevie? This is my first time seeing this movie. Same with me. Steve? E? Far from it. Um, I've seen this movie a plethora of times. 
Start. I mean, the first time I saw it was probably freshman year of college. Then watched it a few times um, during my film classes. Um, watched it in my screenwriting class actually, and then um, I could see that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. This is this was a fun one to in in class, and especially in screenwriting class, talk about. Did you both see Banshees before you saw this? Uh, yeah, definitely. That's wild. Whoa. That is. That's a very interesting reversal. <laughs> well, I just do I do the Oscar stuff, so. Right, right, right. Okay, real quick. Dylan, did... I actually really like Banshees, and I know I read your review. Did he go to the feckin' well one too many times? In, in Banshees? Yeah. See what all this is feckin' about. Are you feckin' stupid? Feckin' hell. For fuck's sake, like. Are you feckin' joke? Back them gobshite. And your dreary feckin' sister, have you gone feckin' mental? Have I gone feckin' mental? No, I haven't gone feckin' mental, actually. Uh, that's a good question. I feel like the dialogue, I never have really a complaint for his movies. I don't no, know. No, no, I like that. I just, they really leaned heavily on that. They, they do, um, but to me, like, in Banshees, it just starts to sound so much like any other adjective that I, it, I'm, yeah. like, not even digesting it anymore. It's just, like, part of the way they speak. Like, it doesn't Yeah, it is. It is something they, they say as well, so, you yeah. know, I, I, I just, they lean really heavily on it, so I just want to know what your thoughts were. Okay, why don't I give you the first thing here, Dylan? Why don't you, can you describe to people, maybe anyone who hasn't seen it, why our main characters, who have, uh, are Ray... And Ken, why are they in Bruges? Sure, yeah. So our, our main two hitmen are in Bruges. It's clear that our, our guy, Ray, is going through some things, uh, as Colin Farrell portrays, just kind of working through some stuff. We don't quite know what out of the gate. Um, they're there. They don't know why they're there. They don't know if they're hiding out is one of the things they consider. Maybe they're here on a job. Um, they kind of debate this over time as they uh, basically just kill time wandering this this medieval town. Um and they're, all they know is they're waiting for a phone call from their boss, Harry. And uh, for now, it's just like, hey, wait for that call and we'll see what happens. Yeah, they do uh, hint at it a little bit. Uh, Ken says something to Ray and Ray's like, you know, like emotional. How could you bring that up? We eventually find out what happened and we see a flashback. You murdered someone for money. Yes, father. Not out of anger. Not out of nothing. For money. <clears throat> Who did you murder for money, Raymond? You, Father. I'm sorry? I said you, Father. What are you, deaf? Harry Water says hello. Pap, can you kind of walk us through that flashback? Yeah, so I, I can talk through what happens there. I, I would like to say, too, it's like the flashback comes at like 20 minutes in, and like the first five minutes of this movie is just kind of chilling in Bruges, right? Just seeing different parts of Bruges. Like, Bruges is a big part of it. But yeah, it's true, Colin yeah. Farrell accidentally shot a kid in a church. This is spoilers. It was actually his first job yeah. as a hitman, which is interesting. You don't learn that till way later in the movie. I mean, I don't that, that shot where you see the kid's head blown open, like it slowly pans to it. It's fucking... I, I, for your first time seeing it, I bet that was pretty shocking. Yeah, it was. But he's pretty distraught. He was trying to kill a priest. Stevie, what do you think the priest did to deserve to get shot? Stevie question. Oh, that's a good question. Um, the obvious one is, you know, obvious, you know, priest and kid things. The other one with me would be confession, praying. Um, 
the other one to me would either be would have something to do with money, like embezzlement or laundering, that kind of went wrong. Um, that's one thing I could see. That's like not the obvious one. Uh, Dylan, back me up here. Doesn't uh, isn't there a theory or like something from the director that some, one person thinks it's uh, child abuse and the other person it's like a land deal that fell through, which I believe ironically is the same reason that uh, the priest dies in Primal Fear. I, I have heard the land development, housing development thing. I just read that today. I've never actually had th- put much thought into that aspect of the movie of why are they killing this priest. Me neither. And then today, a little cursory internet search, and I found that. I don't remember where I read that, but I think it was saying, like, hey, that's what Martin McDonough also like kind of suggests. It's like the priest was stirring up resistance to some housing project that Harry... Uh, wanted to put forward. I don't know why a priest would be opposing a random housing development, but <laughs> that was what he put forward. Well, you guys, you guys heard it here. Dylan was looking up child abuse, and in Bruges came up, and that's how <laughs> yeah, he that found was, out. Was, those are the stepping stones. <laughs> yeah. Before I knew it, I was reading about uh, neighborhood residential developments, and then I was like, there "Wait, this is interesting." Yeah. <laughs> so you, oh, Pap, you were kind of mentioning it. Bruges is obviously a huge part of this movie. Um, I don't know. I'm not much of a technical guy, but it seems like a little gloomy camera work. I don't know if it's supposed to be a little more medieval. But like you said, Ken's having the time of his life. He, he's a type of guy that could sit around, sightsee, um, visit old places, kind of relax. And Ray is just bored. And uh, it's kind of a theme throughout this movie that it's like hell to him. Later on, he calls it maybe purgatory. It's it's just not for him. He wants to uh, have a bigger city, uh, meet women, drink some pints. So it's, you know, Ken is enjoying this time, it seems like, and Ray is just not. And you find out... Um, Pap and I were talking before this, and I can't wait to talk about it. I don't want to bring it up yet, but I just cannot wait to talk about Ray Fiennes in this movie. This cast is sick. Like, it's a great fucking cast. I don't know how many movies Colin Farrell had been in before this. Is this, like, one of his first? A lot. A lot. No, he's a been lot. a lot before this. A lot, yeah. Okay. Well, he's pretty fucking amazing. I know Brennan Gleeson had been in Daredevil, hello. Right, yeah. <laughs> I do think this is Colin Farrell one. I want to say the Golden Globe for best actor for this movie. So this was yeah. like kind of a big step forward in, in the award side of Colin Farrell's and career. And was nominated as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2000s Colin Farrell is like an interesting case. Cause like I, at first I didn't like Colin Farrell and I eventually found he's an amazing actor, but I yeah. think like his agent or Hollywood in general was trying to like shift him into the action genre. Like, that seemed to be the direction, like, he was going. Like, SWAT? Maybe not intentionally, but by the way he looks, he clearly has a leading man look. Oh, yeah. But, like, you know, he he did Daredevil, he did Phone Booth, and The Recruit, and Phone SWAT. Booth. Oh, phone I, guys, Booth. Guys, I'm not super proud of it, but I actually bought that DVD in college. Because <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I like that movie. I think it's kind of like a little uh, bo- uh, bottle episode. Uh, maybe it'd be fun to look into it and... His accent slips a little bit, which is funny because I believe later on he's known as like an accent man. So, yeah, I mean, he was really big in 2000s. He had the his maybe his best performance was his, his sex tape. I don't know. It was, <laughs> uh, you know, 
<laughs> Pretty good. That was a great A performance. <laughs> we also had Minority Report, too, where his accent was slipping all over the place. I got coffee. Thank you. Danny Whitman, tween from the Fed. Whoops. Gum. Look, I'm not with the ACLU on this, Jeff. Well, let's not kid ourselves. We are arresting individuals who have broken no law. But yeah, he's 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 all over the place. Like, he's great in, like, horrible bosses. Like, he's, like, a great scumbag. He's, like, a scumbag in phone booth. I mean, Daredevil is what it is. I mean, he did the best he could with that, so. The Lobster? Yeah, he's really started to do more eclectic things and kind of stray away from, like, the whole, yeah, leading man action kind of side, which I appreciate. It's kind of like a same arc as, like, Maybe a Brad Pitt, where it's like he probably could just do like very straightforward blockbusters, but still is making a lot of like very interesting choices with fun directors. Like he was in a Guy Ritchie movie, right? The Gentleman. He was in, uh, you know, all of all of his Martin McDonough performances are pretty pretty fun and pretty different. So I, I appreciate that he he kind of takes some stabs into some very random projects at times. Horrible Bosses is a pretty good example of that, honestly. I want to throw this one out there since we're talking about it. If anyone wants to see a weird-as-fuck Colin Farrell movie, watch The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. That is a good one. So, obviously it's like a black comedy, a dark comedy. One of the funny aspects is they get a room booked uh, in Bruges. It's like an older-style hotel room and there's only one room booked. I think you find that a little later. You're supposed to put together that, oh, he only got one room because, you know, he's going to have Colin Farrell, his character killed. But they have a, they have such a really a fun dynamic. I believe Dylan mentioned it earlier. The best part of this movie for me is just any conversation. I know it's kind of a cop out and we'll get to, uh, this later, but I mean, the best scenes to me are anytime Ray finds is talking to anybody, but a close second or anytime that Ray and Ken are talking to each other. They're just, <laughs> I love Brendan Gleeson. I, I mean, I can't think of anything he's done that's bad. It's just, he's just that consummate presence that he could be a really bad guy. He can be soft-spoken. Uh, I believe both these guys, this could be debatable. I believe both these guys have, gosh, it's going to be really hard to say. Good hearts. Yeah. I mean, obviously they kill people and they're, they're definitely imperfect, but like they don't go around murdering people for no reason. Again, murder's murder, so it's bad regardless, but I believe deep down that they're have a good heart and spirit. Yeah. I brought this up with Stevie earlier and there's like a lot of Fargo in this movie, mm, right? Yeah. Like it's a more black comedy uses the location that it's in and like the dynamic between, um, I forget the, characters names in Fargo right but Steve Buscemi and who's the other guy Swedish guy someone help me out Peter Stormare Uli Uli, Uli yeah. yes <laughs> it's kind of like a similar setup right but these two killers are way more human not that it's better or worse but they're just like more human characters they're, they're well rounded they have different sides to them they're people first yeah yeah I mean they're both incredibly talky movies right yeah mm-hmm. and we do i mean i think the fargo aspect about the two hitmen there is i mean it's not our main focus they're not good people well, they're not good people it's not our main focus of the movie either like we're literally with ken and ray every scene in this movie so yeah. we have or opportunities ray. what's that ken or ray yeah if you want to be do semantics about it sure um 
I do. But, uh, yeah, we're with, like, these guys every scene of the movie. So we're able to kind of get those connections. And also the script is extremely tight that uses every little thing to fall back on itself throughout the movie. So I don't know. Yeah, I I get what you're saying about the whole Fargo thing, Pap. It just... Two wildly different movies towards the end. I think but somewhere... If it was like Fargo, it would be called In Bruges, and they would spend the whole movie, though, in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead, point, go yeah. ahead Dylan. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think it is I think it is right to characterize Martin McDonough as, like, somewhere on this sliding scale between Coen Brothers and Tarantino. Like, just kind of the love child of those two personas on the screen is kind of the way he formulates his movies that's that's the vibe i get by by all this can movies. you uh can you explain a little bit um i definitely get the cohen uh can you explain the tarantino is it just the snappy dialogue or a little bit of this the snappy dialogue the banter the fact that a lot of times a lot of the conversations are kind of like these random tangents into talking yeah, about things that are kind of inconsequential to yeah. the main plot um and then kind of just like the random spurts of violence that's that's a little bit better exhibited in some of McDonough's other movies than this one, honestly, but definitely that's like the two Tarantino touches that I feel throughout this movie. Pat, I, I, I know you kind of touched on it earlier. Do you want to like, you love talking about this. Do you want to like dive in a little bit about the use of location or do you want to like a little bit throughout? Well, I mean, I don't know how many movies have we said this could be, you know, anywhere USA or give me like, yeah, a couple establishing shots. Now this has like a huge advantage, right? They chose to film it actually in Bruges, yeah. right? In a really beautiful place. So, I mean, it, I don't know. There's so much cool, there's so much cool architecture yeah. there. He's got a great eye for the camera too, right? Cause there's that one scene later where Colin Farrell's sitting in the um, playground and there's like this little rabbit just above his head. You know what I mean? Um, mm. It's a cartoon rabbit. He just talked about killing himself. It's just so fun. Like he, he knows how to frame his shots really well. Can can I talk a little bit more about the comedy? Absolutely. About, like, my experience with the comedy in this movie? Because I thought this movie was really funny. Definitely. And that that really surprised me, and it really made me glad. Because you guys know I don't like comedies. Right. It's my least favorite kind of movie to watch, because comedies are so bombastic and in your face with what jokes are, and like what the joke <laughs> of the moment is. They're mm-hmm. so fucking annoying about it. And that's what bothers me. This movie is subtle. The humor is so subtle that it's hard to quantify exactly what's funny. And it, it would it would be hard to edit this episode to put in the funny moments because they're not as straightforward as a standard comedy. But for example, there's a scene when there's some <laughs> Americans that show up, and I'm sure we all rolled our eyes <laughs> yeah. at the Americans that were in this movie for a few reasons, <laughs> namely their accents. We're awful. Yeah. Been to the top of the tower. Yeah. Yeah. It's rubbish. It is. Guidebook says it's a must-see. Well, you lot ain't going up there. Pardon me? Why? I mean, it's all windy stairs. I'm not being funny. What exactly are you trying to say? What exactly am I trying to say? Is there a bunch of fucking elephants? I only knew the guy was American because one, he was huge, and two, he had like a baseball cap, like a Yankees cap on Yankees. or something. Yankees. Of course, he's a Yankee, right? But 
after like Colin Farrell kind of like gets into it with them, and then uh, you know Brendan Gleeson shows back up and is like, "What just happened?" Like Colin Farrell's like expression so is funny. like expression of confused, incredulous. Like I don't know what just happened. His face is so fucking perfect, dude. Made me laugh twice. I love it. Little things like that. Another example. Colin Farrell hates Bruges. He hates being here, right? That's kind of funny. He gets a few moments that are really good about just being in Bruges and how he doesn't fucking like it. He's sitting on a bench, super disgusted by the situation, and he looks over to the person next to him, and they have this hideous, horrifying-looking dog. And the dog <laughs> oh, so just looks so, so stupid and awful. And he's just like, <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like he's so fed up with this shit. He doesn't have to say anything, but you look at the dog and you know. It's like, okay, fuck this whole place. I almost had a category in Poor Man's Jeopardy Night called Ugly Dogs in Movies. But uh, I didn't know where I could go with that. I think <laughs> something you missed as well from that part with the tower and the big people it like Ray is kind of like again he's trying to be nice but he comes off as a dick he does does that throughout the movie and then like Ken comes he comes walking into a freaking buzzsaw that Ray (laughs) made for him and then he's so sincere he's like oh no they're not going up there it's so narrow he's like trying to be nice but they're all so mad at him already and then yeah he's like what's up with them and Ray's like I don't know (laughs) I mean, the guy got winded chasing Ray around the little fountain. <laughs> the guy, he's <laughs> literally from freaking Wales in real life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's the American. Yeah, that makes sense. I like what you're saying, Corey, about like how the humor is is subtle. Because even in the dialogue like that, um, there's there's kind of that same phenomenon. Because I notice a lot of the lines I laugh at, the content of the line is not even that funny. And it's just purely the like the wittiness of the delivery that makes me laugh sometimes. Like, there's one very weird specific example, but uh, later in this movie when Ray confronts Eric and shoots him with a blank, um, right when he's about to pull... He has the gun out already and Eric pulls a knife. All Colin Farrell says is, that's not going to help you, man. But for whatever reason, his (laughs) delivery of that line makes me laugh every single time. Like, that's on paper. That's not a funny line. It's like, it's sort of a, a, a witty thing to say in the moment. But that line just busts me up every time because of just the way the actors sell every single line. I know Martin McDonough is doing a lot of that work to like word things and phrase things correctly, but sometimes it's the actors just elevating like very basic lines that makes me laugh the most. Sometimes the laugh is from just like straight surprise too, like surprise at how real and like deep these characters are. Like there's the point where um, Ray finds, I know we want to talk about them in, in depth, Brett, but like, he smashes his phone up and he calls You're his wife. An You're an anonymous. <laughs> so, <object>. so freaking funny. <laughs> and then, like, at the end of that scene, he's so sincere and he's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I called you an inanimate object. I was just mad. <laughs> I was <laughs> upset. <laughs> like, yeah, I was, I was not expecting that from his character at all. I mean, they're so human, right? Like, you, he would have mm-hmm. to deal with his wife, right? Like, I mean,. Yeah. If he gets frustrated and he says some shit, he's got to come with his tail between his legs and say he's sorry. And that's what I meant earlier when I said these people are like human first. They're not like this stone cold mafioso type. It's, it's not like Jimmy the Cricket. These are good people. <laughs> Jimmy the Cricket. It's like they're assassins or mob guys that that's just their job. That's like they're nine to five. But they're still just like a guy that got that job. But that's what makes it so sad when they 
die and stuff. Like I remember the first time when I saw this when Brendan Gleeson died, I was like so sad yeah. and I like, shocked, like totally shocked that that happened. Like I, I don't know, I, Steve. I know like we talk about black comedies a lot. And I think mm-hmm. you picked Death of Stalin. Right? Yeah. Like, this is one of my favorite comedies ever. Yeah, yeah. This is like almost equal parts black and comedy. I would say, right? Because there's some heaviness to the movie. The one thing I love about this movie is, like, I also love Brennan Gleeson's death. It's, like, weird to say, but his character's death is actually really fun to watch when you see it from, like, a screenwriting aspect. The simple fact that, like, he tries getting rid of his coins. He can't because the guy's being a dick that day. You know, when they go to, like, walk up the stairs, it's because of, you know, everything that Colin Farrell puts into action. Like he says in the movie, they have a heart attack, it's closed. You know, he goes up the top of the steps to warn people below. He tosses out the coins that that guy wouldn't let him give out. You know, he tries to protect the gun in his jacket to give to Ray. Like, there's a lot of, like, cool things in that sequence. Definitely. And then, like, because he had the coins, I mean, it's not one of those, like, fate or, like, because this happened, this happened, this happened. But there is a little bit of that in there. Like, because he had the coins, he was able to dump the coins and the people moved out of the way. So, which led the way for him not hurting anybody. One thing I think that Martin McDonough does a great job of this like movie, like even like even jokes like aren't throwaway jokes because they're going to be used later in the movie. Yeah, it's a very tightly compact script, and like watching it unfold and fold back again, like in the movie, is really neat. It's so tight. There's so many setups and payoffs. It's almost like absurdly it's, tight. Like it's how almost many showing th- off. I it, was going to say that. How many <laughs> things he uses to be like, I'm going to save this for later. Hey, we can use this for later. To bring back and have it make sense. It's like, it's masterclass in action. You're saying this. and I was, I've been trying to bring up a point, and I'm glad it waited to this point because you just... One of the parts that makes me laugh, like I've been thinking about it all day, and... It, they bring it back like two or three times. And I don't know why I find it so funny. I think it's because there's like genuine joy when uh, Ray waves at the little at Jimmy. And he's <laughs> yeah. so excited. And he gets ignored and he's so sad, like he's pouting. Then he tells, I think, either Chloe or the uh, Ray or Ken that they didn't wave to him. And then he goes up to him and he goes, why didn't you wave to me the other day? I mean, like, it's so freaking funny. He's so happy. Like, he didn't even talk to that guy, but he he just waves him in public. He looks like a little puppy dog. And then he's just like, oh, crap. You know, he spilled his cereal or something. That's how sad he looks. It's just so funny. And then, like you said, they bring it back two more times and make another joke about it. It's really, really good. And I want to expand on that a little bit because this movie really masterfully handles tonal shifts. And that is an example of one of them. Because that's like a funny moment, right? He waves at that guy. The guy doesn't wave back. And it's it's subtly funny. And he looks over at that dog. I mentioned that earlier. And then it hits you with the sadness. He looks at some kids walking by and gets super introspective and depressed and sad. (laughs) And we learn what happened and why he's sad about that right after that. And it's so smooth. Holy crap, that's a good five minutes of that movie. That's awesome. You're right. In my opinion, like the way it goes from like being like a chuckly funny movie to to pretty heavy at times works so well. Before we get into uh, Ray, Stevie, can you kind of like explain 
uh, who Chloe is, what some of the scenes that she shares with Ray, what's going on. Um, you can, and then in that, you can throw in Eric and Jimmy if you want. It's just like there's a whole that storyline. So Chloe is a uh, Bruges local, very proud Bruges local. <laughs> And um, I kind of have to believe her. She sells drugs to, like, film sets, right? Yeah, I believe so. That's what it says. She's just moonlighting as a, a PA. And her, um, you know, she's flirting with Ray, and they're kind of getting on. And um, she also has a skinhead boyfriend named Eric, who's actually kind of a vital part of the movie, shockingly. But one thing I do like about Chloe's – I wouldn't even say Chloe's character arc, but Ray's involvement with Chloe – is that I feel like every every time he's with her, he gets closer and closer to his death. Mm. Like, every time he's with her, he's setting more shit into action that's bringing his eventual downfall. Even though those parts are funny, when we're with Chloe, we're getting closer and closer to his death. I'm, I'm with you, Stevie. Like, the first time you see this, you're like, wait, is she actually a drug dealer? Right. You know what I mean? Because it's such a good surprise, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone, I mean, she is in movies in, in real life, but you know, movie star, obviously I'm like, that is a very aggressive shot. Ray <laughs> is shooting. <laughs> I can't, how did that work? Oh, she normally robs people. It's, it's just so good. It's so surprising as you like go through it. So what do you do, Raymond? I shoot people for money. <laughs> what kinds of people? Priests, children, you know, the usual. Is there a lot of money to be made in that line of business? There isn't priests, there isn't any children. So what is it you do, Chloe? I sell cocaine and heroin to Belgian film crews. Do you? Do I look like I do? You do, actually. (laughs) Do I look like I shoot people? No. Just children. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she's Florida Clore. I didn't know that. Oh, yep. I was going to get into the Harry Potter aspect there. Yep. Florida de la cool. But, like, her being a drug dealer also does lead to one of the funniest parts of the movie, and it's such a little throwaway thing. But you're right about earlier, Pappy, when, like, Martin McDonough knows how to frame a shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's that kind of, you know, vertical looking up shot from Jimmy the Cricket's point of view. Mm-hmm. As, like, Ray's talking to him about cocaine. And Brendan Gleeson does this little slide into frame. And his eyes and pupils are so dilated that it makes sense in the story that he's doing cocaine. Because he's trying to give her the fact that he has to kill, like, one of his best friends. But, like, in that moment, it's hysterically funny. Dude, they um, handle drug scenes so fucking awesome in this movie. Like, they're so <laughs> realistic in the way these people act. Like Jimmy getting really mad and like militant. Is that like a like a nod to cocaine? I the guess. dumb shit they talk about and they fucking go on and on about. And like we talked about this, I think briefly. Like the um, the war that's coming. Right, there's a war coming between the blacks <laughs> and the whites, and it's like probably something he's heard about and like just sat in the back of his brain and he just did a huge amount of blow and it just like rushed to the forefront of his mind and he has to like (laughs) say it he can't stop himself from saying it and then he has to like go on about it amazing he he was reading reddit before anybody else (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's on there it's gonna be a war man i could see it there's gonna be a war between the blacks 
and between the whites. You ain't even gonna need a uniform no more. This ain't gonna be a war where you pick your side. Your side's already picked for you. I don't know whose side I'm fighting on. Fighting with the blacks. Whites are gonna get their heads kicked in. You don't decide this shit, man. Well, who are the half-cats gonna fight with? With the blacks, man. That's obvious. But what about the Pakistanis? The blacks. <sighs> what about... Think about it. What about the Vietnamese? The blacks. Well, I'm definitely fighting with the blacks to cut the Vietnamese. What's the line? I love when he said, like, she, I just had a finger in her or something like that. I don't remember who he's telling it to, but. That's right, Ken. Really funny. The instances of extreme violence. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, I don't, like I said, this movie is so surprising and it makes him so human. Like, I think earlier in the movie, uh, Ray says something about, like, a black retarded girl or something, you know, and it's like, whoa, this dude's a bad guy on a seesaw. Yeah. And then it's, but then, you know, later he chastises this guy for being racist. So like Ray's not racist. He's like, no, I would fight on the black people's side, you know? So it's <laughs> like, it's, I don't, it, it just always surprises me like who he is, how deep he is. Well, it, he says like black retarded girl, like fat, whatever he's on saying. A seesaw, yeah. And then he says with a dwarf. Because he learned that that's the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> right, yeah. A, yeah, good touch. Preferred nomenclature. Like, yeah, if someone would have told him, hey, don't say say mentally handicapped, you'd be like, oh, sorry, <laughs> black mentally handicapped fat girl. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. I'm scrolling through quotes and one that I think is funny, especially reading it. Like, it's probably like Dylan would say, on a paper, it might not be as funny, but he's like, I don't hit women. I'd never hit a woman, Chloe. I hit a woman who was trying to hit me with a bottle. Like that, he he doesn't hit women. He wouldn't hit a woman, and then he qualifies why he hit this woman, which is really oh my god, that was freaking funny. She swings the bottle at him, he just decks her. Well, they just laid out that if someone comes at you with a bottle, it's self defense. <laughs> yeah, it's a deadly weapon. Well, not just that, but also the fact that that fifty year old lollipop man knows karate. Chinese. <laughs> I like that part when Ray out loud screams a bottle in the restaurant. And just knocks that woman out cold. And later on, judo chops Jimmy. Yeah. For absolutely yeah. no reason. Okay, that's some cokehead shit right there, too. <laughs> just because it was planted into his brain, you know, 20 yeah. scenes before. <laughs> I do have one question about Ray. I want to ask Dylan. Um, it's a small detail, but not, I mentioned that this is his first job. But then also, Brendan Gleeson, Ken, had, like, brought him in. Vouch for him. Like, yeah, vouch for him, like... I don't know. I like it better that this is like how they first met. You know, like why would he vouch for this guy? I I haven't thought too hard about that. Honestly, like the um the the way their dynamic forms during this movie, even though they are like pretty much fresh partners, it, there's like kind of this vibe that they've like known each other a long time. Like if they didn't drop the whole first job thing, I feel like there is a dynamic of like these guys have like always been the classic yeah. partners like under Harry. It's like, it's interesting how McDonough develops it as such a, like a close relationship when it is so fresh. Um, and I think that's kind of a testament to, to Ken's character, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, constantly throughout the movie, he's talking about how he like kind of sees the capacity for good and for change in Ray. So I think that's kind of bleeding through into like, yeah, these guys are a lot closer than they maybe should be. And maybe that speaks to why, Ken saw something in Ray early on, and that's why he was vouching for him so quickly. Um, but I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. Well, it's like you said. There's an early scene where Ken is like 
pretending to shoot Ray, you know, from the top of the clock mm-hmm. tower. And then by the end, it's he save well, he tries to save this guy's life. I guess we'll talk about that the ending later. But and it's all believable too, right? It goes from you know th- that confrontation, like pretending to shoot him, to it's like he loves him almost like a son. Yeah. Yes. Who was talking about Eric earlier? Like he seems like a small character, but he is a little bit of a. Uh... He's here and there throughout. Somebody mentioned that he was a little bit part of the ending, or who was that? That was me. Do you want to like elaborate on that, or I mean, it's just kind of weird how he's such like a little bit part, but he's involved in some important scenes. Like, you know, he obviously tries to stick up Ray, which ends up getting blinded, which lands him, you know, with Yuri when you know Harry gets there to give him the gun. And then, you know, he's walking out in the middle of the square. He knows that Harry is there. He sees Colin Farrell, goes to alert Harry, just little stuff like that. He's kind of one of those little like catalyst points where it's like, all right, he's going to kind of drive the story forward, even though he's a very bit player. Motherfucker. Is he talking to me? No, Eric's on your side, Mr. Wurzers. Your young friend blinded him last night. Right, I was trying to rub him. And he took my gun from me. And the gun was full of blanks. And he shot the blank into my eye. And now, I cannot see from this eye ever again, the doctors say. Well, to be honest, it sounds like it was all your fault. What? I mean, basically, if you're robbing a man and you're only carrying blanks and you allow your gun to be taken off you and you allow yourself to be shot in the eye with a blank, which I assume the person has to get quite close to you, then, yeah, really, it's all your fault for being such a puff. So why don't you stop whinging and cheer the fuck up? Eric, I really wouldn't respond. Okay, so I noticed in this movie something totally separate, but a lot of these actors are in Harry Potter movies. Brett, were you going to say something about that? Yeah, five in the whole Potterverse, four in the actual Harry Potter movies. Because Colin Farrell wasn't in an actual Harry Potter movie, is that what you mean? Yeah, he's in the Fantastic Beasts. He's in Fantastic Beasts. He's Grindelwald's disguise. Yep. He was great in, fan- in Fantastic Beasts, too. Yeah, he's good. He's, like, psychotic. But, like, nice. Probably the best part of it. Uh, Brendan Gleeson is Mad-Eye Moody. Yep. Fleur Delacour, we talked about her. She's Chloe. The guy that I had to look up, because I was like, I bet there's another one, is um, the priest that gets killed by Ray. Kieran. Oh, uh, yes. yeah. That's Dumbledore's brother. Aberforth, yep. yep. And then, of course, the man of the hour, who we're not talking about, <laughs> Maybe we are now, though. Yeah, we can probably uh, now. Ray finds Voldemort. Kieran Hines is like a cameo. He's not Irish like the other two. I don't want to get in too much trouble, but he's Northern Irish, so, you know, he's from the UK. but Or Great Britain, <laughs> but UK. But anyway, I like Kieran Hines, and he's been in a few movies we've done. But yeah, so, okay, I put it off. I Before the pod started, Pat and I were talking... And I was like, oh my god, I love Ray Fiennes so much in this movie. Every conversation he has, even with, you know, Yuri or Eric, it's the funniest dialogue. I mean, it's just incredible. Like, he's such a hothead, but you can, like, calm him down pretty easily. Like, the first time you actually hear him talk in a conversation, he's talking to... Man, I'm really bad with the names. Uh... Not Ray, uh, Ken. And Ken lets it slip that 
Ray doesn't really like it in Bruges, and he just flips out. Yeah. And then Ken's like, oh, well, that was at first. He loves it now. And then Ray, I mean, <laughs> uh, Harry, who like probably wants to believe that, it's like, yeah, yeah, I knew he would. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's just so freaking funny. But let's, you guys, someone can hop in and just, I don't know, just start talking about uh, who he is. Uh, Dill, why don't you at least tell us who he is and like what one of his unique qualities is that we'll get to later that kind of ends up deciding his fate. Yeah, so uh, Harry as kind of the boss of these hitmen, um, he's got a couple defining features. One, as we kind of alluded to, he, he has a tendency to get upset about small things very quickly. <laughs> um, just just the fact that they miss his first phone call leads mm-hmm. into this, this absolute rampage of a message left with the hotel co-owner, which I really enjoy his delivery of that uh, voiceover. Number one, why aren't you in when I fucking told you to be in? Number two, why doesn't this hotel have phones with fucking voicemail and not I have to leave messages with a fucking receptionist? Number three, you better fucking be in tomorrow night when I fucking call again or there'll be fucking hell to pay. I'm fucking telling you, Harry. Um, but yeah, probably the biggest thing about Harry's character is he's a very principled uh, mob boss. That's the word he likes to use. He's not somebody who's just going to make kind of impulsive or rash decisions to kind of maintain order. There's kind of this rule set he follows. It's kind of one of the main things that spurs this whole plot into action is he's like, hey, we accidentally killed a kid. That's a no-go. We got to, you know, somebody's going to have to pay the price for that. It's not just like, oh, that's a, you know, unfortunate casualty on the side here. Like, that's kind of the main driving force. Um, So he's got that. He, you know, he kind of makes some uh, claims about how he would, treat that situation if he was the one who pulled the trigger on a, on an innocent kid. And that sort of comes back around in the, uh, the final act of this movie. Yeah, Because you don't really believe him. Like it's hard to believe him at that point. It is. Oh yeah, sure. You would, you would blow your brains out, but like, you know, you had to find out Dylan. Have you, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if it's available. How do you feel about the, um, deleted scene and whether it should have or could have stayed in the movie or not, you know, I'm talking about where it shows like his moral code. Um, apparently there was a deleted scene where he sees like someone dead of some stripper or hooker or somebody was dead and he marches into the police station and literally cuts the dirty cop's head off who killed her to show that his moral code is so strong that he's going to risk being put in prison for life. I guess it, they didn't put it in there because the CGI looks so bad, which I can imagine. I don't know how big this budget was, but like, I think that was probably a good idea because it really, uh, not knowing, like I said, the moral code, you're like, yeah, right. But at the end, it's like, holy crap, he did believe in this. I feel like that wouldn't have been as powerful if you would have seen this scene. Yeah, it, it's nice to see him follow through on the promise when you don't necessarily have a precedent for that he's going to do that. It's like, yeah, this guy actually was sticking with it. I mean, you have other sort of um, clues as to his sort of, uh, his, his moral code and his honor. Um, it's alluded to later that, um, Ken's wife was, was murdered and Harry mm-hmm. basically tracked down and got that guy killed just to like, you know, satisfy his, his, um, his friend. And, uh, you have that as well as, uh, you know, just the negotiation that, Ken and Harry have at the top of the bell tower and you're like, yeah, this guy, Ken should be a a goner, but Harry, Harry spares him not to get too far ahead. It's like, yeah, this guy at the end of the day, he does have kind of this good sense and compassion that prevails, even though, you know, he's kind of a, he seems like a cold hearted guy. That's probably my favorite 
conversation in the movie. I don't think it's the funniest. I think the funniest is when him and Ray are deciding the rules of the shootout in the hotel. But like <laughs> up in the hotel in the tower, it's like a uh, Brendan Gleeson's freaking acting his balls off. Like he goes from normal to like emotional really quickly, and it really disarms Harry. It's just such a good scene. Um, and like he does, he's like, well, I can't kill you now. Like literally says, I can't kill you now, but he's still an a-hole. So he shoots him, but I know we jumped ahead a little bit, but yeah, I wanted to touch on that. So like we said, he's, he's got, he's got these rules that he has to follow. And one of his people didn't disobey a direct order. So he's not bringing, I don't know if his wife calls him the boys, the guys, he's not bringing them with him. He's just going. And sorry, I started laughing about when they were joking about the alcoves on top of the tower. Um. <laughs> well, what one of my favorite things is like that. Yeah, he follows all these rules. He's he's going to take the logical step, and the one time he decides to do something that has sort of a flourish to it, it's in choosing the bullets that will uh, quote like yeah. explode someone's head. Yeah, and that's ultimately Dumb-dumbs. his own his own downfall because that sets up like the whole misunderstanding at the end and it's like it's so interesting that he he follows these these rules like he's not gonna you know shoot when it's not justified or negotiated he's not gonna bring all of his his boys with him he's just gonna handle this alone and then the one time he's like all right i'll just do this for dramatic effect like that's what does him in the one time he kind of stepped outside that frame of logic the other thing that's kind of funny too is i know like this kind of has more to do with like the bullets exploding heads thing is colin farrell makes these references of Midgets have committed suicide through time. And he's always... Queen of Time Bandits reference. Let's go. Time yeah. Bandits reference. And, like, the funny thing is he's always missing one until the end. Like, yeah, I didn't think he's about always, that. Oh, I'm missing one. I'm missing one. And it ends up being Jimmy the Cricket. Mm. But he doesn't commit suicide, though. He just dies. It's sad. Cause that's the first time that since Jimmy's been there that he's kind of actually excited about... Like the scene he's shooting, and he's like, this movie might be okay after all. Yeah. Uh, I didn't pick up on it. I'm sure you guys all did, like, the the stuff he sees in the at the end is, like, some of the stuff you see in the paintings. The yeah. painting. I mean, mm-hmm. that was obvious when I read it. I was like, oh, yeah, duh, but I just didn't put it together after one watch. But Yeah, I thought the movie took a turn there. I thought it was going, like... Uh, I think I mean sure it did this intentionally, right? The movie like le- leads you to believe that Colin Farrell might be like having a vision or maybe entering the afterlife in some capacity, but it's a trick. It's the set of the movie, which is very nice. It's like, oh yeah, it's like the painting from earlier. Oh no, it's like the movie they're shooting right now. It looks awesome. I love that that whole yes. scene. You've gone on such just like ride to like the, the fake snow. And everything, the shaky cam for like uh, Colin Farrell's POV versus like Harry's like steady approach to him, and, and it, it looks so cool with all of the costumes and stuff. It's just wild. It's a wild scene. Anyone like want to hop in with some? I mean, we should talk about Harry a little bit more. I mean, anyone want to hop in with some of those? Uh, I I think the first scene you get is like he walks in and there's guns everywhere. Uh, Six to midnight there, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, he doesn't want to Uzi because he's not in Southern California. And he makes a comment about like, I mean, it's sad that it's was such a reality, uh, and is like about drive-bys and you rarely ever hit the person you want to hit. And that's kind of a foreshadowing later. Uh, but 
Yeah, he's like, just give me a gun that works. And also, Eric's trying to get him to feel bad for him and, like, hate Ray even more. And Ray's like, I mean, Harry's like, uh, that sounds like your fault. Like, he's just really yeah. kicking that guy when he's down. And then, <laughs> just really, God, he's just, I'm guessing that's the writing. I mean, obviously, the accent's perfect. Uh, I, it's almost cockney. Like, it's not usual not a usual Ray Fiennes voice. So it's just extra funny to me. The first time you hear him on the phone, I'm like, I know that's Ray Fiennes, but oh my God, that accent, it's so not like him, but it's just so freaking funny. And then he's like, I, the alcoves, like, I don't, I don't want to, alcoves is a little funny joke that again, like Steve mentioned, they bring it back a little bit later. And then it's just, it's really funny. It shouldn't be funny, but it's really funny. Sometimes there's there's lines from movies that like for no reason will kind of infect my life and one of those is just the way he says nooks and crannies. I can't <laughs> hear the term nooks and crannies or say the term nooks and crannies without like at least thinking in the back of my head how he says it, which is so about, odd and memorable the way he pronounces it. Yuri, yes, yeah, yeah, the way he's like nooks and crannies, yes, when he's like they nail the term that he's been looking for. <laughs> That gets me every single time. That's like one of those Coen Brothers things, right? Of like taking this really mm-hmm. briefly appearing character and just making it memorable on a couple key lines. Like me, sir, my sir from A Serious Man. Or Papio Daniel from O Brother <laughs> Art, though. Yeah. Let's see what else I have. I he mean, ain't lying. <laughs> again, the, another funny line just because like, I don't, I'm not going to be able to say the name, maybe somebody who's seen it more, but like when the, He's on the train, and he's like, you hit the, you heat the Canadian. He asked his name, and he like, because Ray's not very smart, he said, he says like, uh, something really dumb. It's like Derek, but then he doesn't have a last name. It's just like a, like a slur of random syllables <laughs> that don't go together. <laughs> You're Irish? Yes. What is your name? Um... Derek Pearl Pearl. You heed the Canadian. Huh? You heed the Canadian. I heed the Canadian. So yeah, he gets put in jail and, you know, he has to come back. I think it's pretty funny. He's like, I'll pay you back. And then he's like, oh, and I'll give you your drugs back or your cocaine ecstasy or whatever. And she's (laughs) like, ah, American humor. And, uh, I don't know. I really liked, uh, I'm not, I'm going to butcher her name, but Clements Posey, it's how I always said her name. I think she's perfect in this movie for what she does. She's not just there to be a pretty face. She's not just there to be like a romantic interest. I mean, she is, but like, she's a little more than that. And she moves the plot along a little bit. And she got some really funny lines. And she kind of goes toe to toe with Colin Farrell a lot. And it's, it's, it's really good. I don't know why I bounced back to her, but speaking of of bouncing back, I just, it like just hit me that we very much, if, if we're getting to Harry, we've kind of breezed over what is like one of the strongest sequences in this movie, which is um, Ken deciding to actually go kill Ray and navigating through the park, only for Ray to pull a gun on yeah. himself while sitting on the park bench. Perhaps the most like iconic image from this movie of of the two guns drawn on uh on ray in that moment and then the whole kind of debrief that happens just sitting on the playground after like yeah. that's some of the strongest acting i think in the movie is them kind of breaking it down well why don't you go ahead and touch on that i also like how they like they have so much trust in each other like they know that 
he's not going to kill them. They're like handing their guns back and forth. Uh, I mean, yeah, that sequence is just so strong. It, it it caught me by surprise the first time I saw it. Now, you know, you're kind of anxiously anticipating that scene and, and watching it build that Ray is going to make that decision. Um, and just the way that he's saying like, well, I, you know, I can make that decision. You can't make that decision for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just love the idea also of placing like their most dramatic and like sad and touching conversation. They're like sitting on this like cartoony bench on the playground with all these like colorful like playground installations behind them. Mm-hmm. A, it's like the, you know, that constant looming, you know, memory of, of killing this kid, but also just like, it's this, it's really funny contrast. I don't, I don't know how it doesn't manage to take away from the scene where, you know, Ray's kind of relinquishing control and admitting like, you know, I just don't know what to do and, and, and really breaking down um, much further than we had we had seen him go at this point. Uh, I don't know. That scene is just like it's not really a rewatchable scene because it's kind of hard to watch Ray go through that. But it's it's probably one of the best scenes in the in the movie. I'm telling you, the rabbit over Ray's left. Oh, that's the right what, what you're referring to. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll never be able to unsee. I just stare at it the <laughs> whole time when I watch this scene. Give me me gun back. Look at the back. You're a suicide case, and you're trying to shoot me in the fucking head. And I got my gun back. How great day this has turned out to be. I'm suicidal. Me mate tries to kill me. Me gun gets nicked and we're still in fucking barrels. Listen, I'm going to give you some money and put you on a train somewhere. Back to England? I'll go back to England, Ray. You'll be a dead man. I can't. I want to be a dead man. You've been missing something. You don't want to be a dead man, Ray. I can't. <laughs> Killed a little boy. <laughs> and save the next little boy. Yeah, so we're getting to the the end of this movie. Also, I thought we haven't mentioned her really. The the hotel manager owner was I thought was really good in this movie. She's um She's sweet, but she, and then, like, during probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is when, uh, they're having a little standoff with her in the way, and they're like, oh, we're, they're gonna shoot each other. She's like, don't do it here, blah, blah, blah. And then, of all people, Ray comes up with the dumbest plan, but, like, it works. He's like, okay, I'm gonna go jump out the window into the canal, and you're gonna go outside, and you could shoot me there. And it's just like, it's like a little kid, two little kids like making a deal together. Like, and he's like, I better not go out there and wait 10 minutes and come back in and find you hiding in the closet, like, or the cupboard or something. It's just, it's so freaking funny to me that again, they have like, they seem to follow rules, which is crazy. And then like, I don't know, Ray's like too far. And then he just gets hit with the most perfect shot, like right through his stomach chest and, it all kind of descends pretty quickly there, like he, like we get into the actor's thing. But uh, does anybody else want to talk about the last... And we talked about a lot of the last 10 minutes, but anything stand out there? There's a line in there, Brett, that I actually do not like. Oh, no. And, you know, I, I like a lot of this movie, but if I'm going to throw out a criticism, it's when the... Um, can, I, can I guess? Yes. Is it Don't Be Stupid, This Is The Shootout? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the line is, but it is said by the pregnant hotel manager or hotel owner. It's something uh, like, 
you guys are crazy yeah, or something that's like it. that. Yeah, yeah that's it does it. kind of stand out, yeah. That, it's, so, it's, it's just not necessary. It, it, you're right. right. Exactly. It's all implied, right? Like, we understand that. <laughs> Thank you for letting us know. <laughs> yeah, we get that by this point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a mistake. I mean, I can think of countless songs that I think are, like, perfect songs, almost, and there's, like, literally one line that I think is just so dumb. And I'm like, how could they possibly do that? And I, I, I hear it every time. And it's, it's so brutal. And I, I mean, that's not something like this. Like, it's not something that, I mean, like, does it bother, does it ruin the scene for you? No, just stood out. Like, took me out of the moment. I don't think I did, but I, like, when you bring it up, I immediately, like, know exactly what you're talking about. Well, I thought for sure it'd be, don't be stupid, this is the shootout, because we always talk about, or Corey, you always talk about how you hate when movies, like, call attention to the fact that, like, this always works in the movies, or this always happens (laughs) in the movies. It's kind of like, it's almost like a Mel Brooks line, right? Like, it's... Be- the movie's becoming self-aware. This is the shootout. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. It's it's interesting that you bring up that line because that line is like almost the entire concept of Martin McDonough's next movie, Seven Psychopaths, which is also a favorite of mine. But like that whole movie is like, we're going to call out how like a movie structure should go like within the movie and then sort of subvert it. And that, that there's like a big sticking point in that movie is like, oh, there's got to be a shootout. When's, when's the shootout going to be? And it's like, literally runs through like half of that movie. So it's interesting. This is like almost the springboard for it. Like it's definitely more reined in here. And then McDonough just kind of let that run wild (laughs) later on down the line. I think if that's baked into the movie structure itself, it's fine. It's when you get like, you know, Snatch or not Snatch. Sorry, that's a good movie. Uh, Boondock (laughs) Saints. Saints, And they say like, (laughs) you know, they always do this in the movies or an even worse example, as we have talked about many times, Pappy, Kidding King Arthur's Court. (laughs) It usually yeah. works in the movies. <laughs> Why doesn't it work? This is a movie. <laughs> but those are like such small pimples. Oh, yeah, such like there's such small flaws, right? In like this whole movie. Like I don't yeah. know. Ninety nine percent of this writing is fucking amazing. That scene though, like with the hotel where him and Ray are kind of guns drawn in the B and B or the hotel or whatever, does have a great like tone shift setter though. Like that's right when Ray gets shot. Yeah. The movie changes completely and quits being like snappy and talky and it's just Ray going into his like descent of death. Definitely, yeah. It's quick because like I said, he's like too far, too far away and then it's just like bam and then the movie's over four minutes later. It's just, mm-hmm. it's real dark and again, we get to the, the creepiness and he's like, oh, does he say the a boy or the boy? He's obviously like, he's not hallucinating but he's not exactly there and I don't know just crazy that the dumb dumb thing comes back like he blows the guy's head off which I don't don't know what bullets those are but yeah right yeah that's like fucking Judge Dredd shit those bullets right yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I did make a comment about they need to get have they ever heard of hollow points like all these bullets are just going through everybody it's like Colin Farrell shooting that priest is insane yeah first of all he waits way too long (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> right he's such a fucking rookie right like yeah he shoots him like in the the side gut and then he like shoots him like a million times like there's no precision behind this act this job that he's performing it's just like brute force like shoot him wildly in the back a bunch of times until he's down yeah and that is the reason that he has this whole problem to begin with 
Alright, I think we've... Unless there's a scene I think we forgot, we can kind of get into final thoughts. Um, and just... Anybody have any final thoughts? Or stuff we didn't get to or anything like that? Anybody have, like, a strong feeling on the the ending? The, you know, slight ambiguity on if he lives or dies? I believe the, the original script, right, had... Uh, he, lives, he lives, correct? Yeah, he lives in the script and he wakes up in the hospital and then is still considering killing himself. I kind of thought he died. And he kept saying, I really wish I'd lived or something that... I didn't want to die. Yeah, yeah I really, go. really hoped I wouldn't die. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like no one in this movie gets what they want, right? Like literally nobody except for the hotel manager, you know? It'd be like everybody failing and trying to get what they want if he dies. With that last line, though. Like, I don't know if that calls it out or not. That's true. Who does get what they want? I mean, Eric gets what he wants, but he has to lose an eye to do it. And a girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. The cashier gets his ass kicked even, man. That guy. Yeah. Man, what a (laughs) hell. That fucking guy. Even the Americans couldn't make it to the top of the (laughs) stairs. (laughs) Like, nobody achieves their goal. I mean, Harry's wife maybe has a big pension and a bunch of illegal money that she's... But no, she's got to be sad. They seem to like each other. And... God, when they showed the wife and kids, I was like, oh, God, I hope Harry doesn't die. Even though I know he's the bad guy. I just always hate that. It made him human. Funny Harry moment is when he's talking to Ken in front of the restaurant. They're outside on the, you know, in the chairs at the table. <sighs> and he's like, let's let's face it, man, you're a cunt. Oh. You got cunt kids? And he's like, wait, you get, why are you so bringing good. my fucking kids into this? So that might the be line. my favorite scene. That That's might be. really he's good. Like, you're right. I retracted he it. He goes, take it back. All right, I take it back. I can't believe you brought my fucking kids. I took it back, didn't I? Like, it's just so well done. Harry, let's face it. I'm, I'm not being funny. I mean, no disrespect. But you're a cunt. You're a cunt now. You've always been a cunt. And the only thing that's going to change is you're going to become an even bigger cunt. Maybe you have some more cunt kids. Leave my kids fucking out of here. What have they done? You fucking retract that bit about my cunt fucking kids. I retract that bit about your cunt fucking kids. Insulting my fucking kids. That's going overboard, mate. I retracted it, didn't I? That scene's also cool because it's like, it's kind of showing that Ray's fate is not really in his own hands. It's like, you know, there's all these themes of like heaven and hell and purgatory and all this. And this is kind of, that scene very much feels to me like here's the angel and the devil like kind of debating on what his fate is going to be. And like, he doesn't really have any say in it. I feel like that like kind of connects in with the, uh, Sort of the religious elements that are built into this movie into the, into that scene of dialogue. Oh, nice! Oh, yeah, that's nice. One of my favorite scenes is when they go to see the blood of Christ <laughs> and how serious. <laughs> Good one, yes. Brendan Gleeson's taking is like the blood of Christ, and Colin Farrell <laughs> is literally throwing a temper tantrum in the in the basilica. Yeah, he's like almost literally stomping up to the front. I think he even like kicks a pew. <laughs> I have a scene real quick, and then a question for mostly Stevie. Uh, Happy. I think the shot where he's talking to Harry on the phone is really cool, and I guess it's like a pretty long, continuous shot where I think Brendan Gleeson's acting really well, and he's he checks him in the bathroom, and he has a fake conversation. But that was really cool. I was going to bring that up as as just like one little trivia piece that you can find about this movie pretty easily. Is like during that whole scene, the movie playing on the TV is uh, Orson Welles' Touch of Evil, and it's the intro to that movie, which is also like a very long, yeah, unbroken take. So that's that's a cool little touch. All right, to my narration people, how do you feel? Short mm. narration at the beginning, 
short at the end. How do uh, uh, what's what do you call it? Um, monologue? monologue. Yeah, like a. You can call it narration. That's fine. Um, I know there's a lot of people that don't like narrating in movies. I don't mind it in this one. Yeah, no, it's good in some. Mm-hmm. I. I don't know. Part of me wishes they had like done the original ending, um, with a narration. I think that makes for something strong. Mm. I just I don't know. I like to picture that original ending a lot. Uh, but I I like kind of how it closes on him saying I didn't want to die. I like that a lot. I, I thought about this two ways. If you don't have it, then it's like a long time till you find out that they're contract killers and why they're there. Yeah. That's true. And having it, you kind of like get a sense of who these guys are, right? And then the movie totally surprises you with who they actually are. So I, I like them both too. I like the dichotomy of, I mean, dichotomy, but just the kind of reverse order of like seeing the beautiful architecture of Bruges and hearing like Colin Farrell say the words Burger King in it always <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> Did it say Pizza Hut too? That's so weird. They're- yeah, <laughs> pizza. That's globalization. Yeah, that's the, the line that follows. That. <laughs> After I killed them, I dropped a gun in the Thames, washed the residue off my hands in the bathroom of a Burger King, and walked home to await instructions. The narration at the end is really good too, because when once they decided to make it ambiguous like that, like you had to give us something. I feel like, like Stevie had said, if they had done the original ending, it could have been. It's still ambiguous. Yeah. The original ending is still ambiguous, just different. I'm with you. I, I could have gone with that too, but like when the moment they decided that we're going to close on him on the ground, possibly dying, yeah, I feel like you needed something. And it's nice and short. It's really good writing. I really like it. So, yeah, I, I usually don't like ambiguous things because it drives me nuts. I'm like, oh, I want to know, but this didn't bother me. So, Brett, do you think he lives or dies? I choose to believe he lives. Optimistic of you. Yeah. I like it. I like the optimism. <laughs> I guess the whole like thematic argument is like, oh, it it doesn't matter. I guess it's like how you would probably argue for it is like a you know the whole thing is like he just he hopes he wouldn't die, and that's kind of a reversal of where he's been this whole movie. So it's like in that sense he's kind of you know made it made a change, but it it's also like I mean I don't know he's saying anything he's on death's door, but um, I mean I, it is a fun question to consider. Uh, I like I like to ask people when I watch this. I've watched this with a couple of friends, and I always like to get people's take on it. It's, it's definitely a an optimist versus pessimist kind of debate a lot of the time. <laughs> I a quick scene we didn't talk about a couple of lines I I like when he's getting on the train and uh, Ken's kind of completely talked him into living, doing good things. Don't kill yourself. Save you know you killed this kid. Save one kid, and then they're like. He's all happy, and then the, the door's getting ready to shut, and Ray's, like, basically says, well, I might try to kill myself in a couple of weeks, and then, like, the door shuts, and Ray's, like, uh, Ken's, like, you won't, though, Ray. You you won't, will you? I mean, like, it, like, really freaks him out, and unfortunately, I mean, luckily he gets to come back and see him, but, like, that would have left him on a pretty sour note, like, he really didn't want him to kill himself, but, I mean, he's gonna have some PTSD for... I would say a long time, but I don't know how long he's going to live. But Yeah, kind of jumping off that, that just reminded me, I only really caught this on this rewatch for me. Is there really any reason that after that, Ken turns around and literally calls Harry to say, hey, I let Ray go? Like, he could probably put up that front for a while that, yeah, I, I, I killed Ray. thought you know, that's I, what he was going to do, yeah. But he's honorable, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. 
I guess that's the essence of it. It's like, yeah, there is all this honor and, and kind of moral code among these guys. But I, I like, I realized that this rewatch was like, oh, they, they, he could have ended this whole ordeal right then, probably. And Harry never would have been wiser. Kind of a nitpick, but I don't know. I caught it this time. I feel like Ken feels like he owes it. Yeah. To Ray Fiennes. Mm, yeah. Right? I like, like he that. He kind of says yeah. that later on, like, yeah, dude, I owe you, so I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. Not going to backstab him. Two quick callbacks. Not a, It's not as good or, as the other ones, but the Vietnamese callback and the uh, John Lennon, <laughs> like, he's, like, mad at them because they're, air quotes, Americans, and they killed John Lennon. Then he finds out they're Canadians. He's like, oh, I guess they didn't kill John Lennon. And then the Vietnamese line, which is just weird, and then he comes back and he's super proud of himself when he's like, oh, I'll think of a difficult one. He's like, what about the Vietnamese? And yeah, I don't know what his deal with the Vietnamese are, but those are two little things that kind of came the back. The blacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jimmy was on a, apparently, uh, well, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Ty, uh, Game of Thrones, little guy. Sorry. Tyrion Lannister? Peter Dinklage? Yeah, apparently he's an extra. He's uncredited in this movie. He's one of the what? Little, little people. He's on... It's in Wikipedia, you know, and that's never wrong. <laughs> he's in Three Billboards, too, right? Oh, yeah, like, he is. It says Peter Dinklage as dwarf actor, uncredited. There you go. More, more, uh, more things resonating down the line. And that just reminded me again. There's another random big part of Seven Psychopaths, which is one of the psychopaths that he's writing about is a guy in Vietnam. What, I don't, what is Martin McDonough's thing with Vietnam? Why does this keep know. cropping up? <laughs> <laughs> the Jimmy the Cricket actor? This blew my mind. None of you guys probably give a shit. Bag of but he was Howard the Duck in Howard the Duck. I think it says one of the Howard the Ducks, but so maybe they were True. multiple. Okay, there was a few Howard the Ducks. There's also a huge bag of weed in Harold and Kumar. Oh, he was huge bag of weed? Yeah, the little flashback where he's... That's like yeah. his little... Yeah. Bitch, learn how to make a cup of coffee. <sighs> Gosh, that movie so many times. Are we good for yes or no's? Let's do it. Sure. All right, if we are, I'm going to mm-hmm. go pee. So uh, let's go ahead and go same order we did earlier. Corey, why don't you start us off? Always making it fun for the editors. <laughs> Tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> the pee line stays in. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. oh, good lord. All right, this is Corey Kylo Ren memes. Thank you. Uh, I am going to give this a hard yes. You know, we talked about all the greatness that comes along with this movie, and it is great, and it's subtle in its delivery, and it's really subtle in everything. Even the colors are muted in this, like, uh, dull Belgian town that they're in. Great humor, great banter, amazing dialogue and just fucking phenomenal performances out of uh, the few actors we get you know this director can really get some great performances out of people and he got some great actors to work with so you know Colin Farrell's no slouch he's amazing I have more respect for him all the time just a great movie hard yes uh Pappy definite hard yes I really Gets, I guess I mentioned at the beginning, the Coen Brothers brought vibes are very strong. Um, I think its biggest strength is just a ma- an amazing fucking script. Right? Like, an amazing fucking, fucking script. Great performances. Set in, like, a really beautiful city. It's, I don't know, it's eminently rewatchable, then, because the script is so good. Mm. Right? And all the callbacks and, like, the folding back on itself, like Stevie says in the story. So good. Love it. Hard yes. Yeah, hardest of yeses. Um, 
Just a brilliant, brilliant screenplay. Uh, brilliant acting and awesome direction. But I think it really starts at the script level. And Martin McDonough really outdid himself. I think this is his probably best written movie he's ever done. Um, so, yeah, hardest of yeses. It's a bold statement, too. He's made some good shit. Yeah. Yeah, he has. True. Yeah, definitely a, a hard yes for me. Probably my hardest yes of my spoilers appearances. The, the pinnacle Viggo Mortensen yes for me. Um, one of my favorites of all time. I would say Martin McDonough's got to be one of the best, if not the best, screenwriters we have today. Um, the way his dialogue is composed is just so witty and fun. There's so much rhythm to it. There's like always this repetition between characters of like repeating what the other person just said. Seems like something that should be kind of like cheap, but instead works so well. And the way he's like recontextualizing lines, like we mentioned earlier, the the one take when he's on the phone with Harry and he says like, oh, Ray said, uh, I'm awake, but I feel like I'm dreaming. And he's kind of just, you know, making up nonsense. Ah. And then mm-hmm. moments later, he he repeats that line and it's much more dour and it's kind of like you know, forming it around him of saying like, oh, now I got to go kill my partner. You know, that feels like a, a nightmare. So uh, I, I just love the way his writing unfolds throughout this movie. I definitely agree. That's what makes this movie so rewatchable. Also, quick shout out to the score. I, I really like the music in this movie. It's kind of like this perfectly sparse, but like kind of unsettling, but also wistful piano sequence a lot of the times uh, in this movie. So just one more little strength to highlight. But yeah, definitely a hard yes from me. Uh, love this movie, and, and, and thanks for having me on to, to discuss it. You're welcome. I was uh, going to make a joke. Um, I feel like you don't really notice the music much, which I until uh, Ken gets up on the morning, he's going to go to Yuri's, and it sounds like they're playing uh, Frodo of the Nine Fingers, and <laughs> it's like a jam. And then like I feel like after that, the score is a lot more noticeable. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually made a note to talk about the music and we didn't. So my apologies, Eric. For those that don't know, Brett, could you give us a little sample of Frodo of the Nine Fingers? <laughs> yeah. Frodo of the Nine Fingers. I don't know if that's it. But... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> his voice is weird like that. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I'll finish off. Uh, yeah, this is like a super, super hard yes for me. I loved the dialogue. Like it's got some of my favorite conversations probably in, I don't know, movie history that just they really just blew me away. I thought Ray Fiennes was amazing. I like how he doesn't come until later. I think Corey mentioned just the there's not a ton of actors in this, but the ones that get are just unreal. Uh, they're really great together, uh, which is probably why he likes to work with them. Uh, definite, definite hard yes. So I guess this is preserved, and this could be what like a, a Burger King Whopper. <laughs> or maybe a pizza hut pizza? Huh. Yeah, which way yeah, pick your poison there. <laughs> maybe a bowling bowling <laughs> a alley hot beer. dog. A gay beer, yeah. For sure. It is Pride Month after all. It is. Actually that was last month. No, no when that was month. last month. I'm sorry. June, yeah. <laughs> this is So we are going to uh, combine I think a crowd favorite, definitely a favorite of Corey and myself. And I believe Stevie did it last time as well. Uh, poor man's Jeopardy. But I wanted Dylan to feel... I wanted him to be a part of it. So I added a bunch of crazy stuff that we're going to do. I shared the rules earlier for people to look at. I don't know how much people looked at it. But again, it looks confusing, but it's not. So basically, we're going to be playing Poor Man's Jeopardy. And... 
So yeah, so the two power-ups that I made were one is double or nothing, and I'll do a quick explanation for what this is. Double or nothing, you're going to... Let's say you pick a two-point question, and let's say you get it correct. You may get it right. You can use a double or nothing. You have one, maybe two. We're going to have three total things. You can use that. So you're going to get what I made as Dylan questions, or D1 through D10. And these are, I would say, harder questions than three. Uh, they're not ungettable. Um, let's say they're worth four. They're not really worth four, but... And you can choose to answer one of those. And if you get it correct, you get double those points. So let's say you get four. If you get it incorrect, two things could happen. If Dylan misses the question, you you get nothing. You go back to zero. That's your double or nothing. You didn't get it. If you get it incorrect and Dylan gets it right, you take that original point total, and now it's a negative. So it's negative two. So Ooh. there is a risk. Now, the other power-up is called second chance. It's the same, kind of the same thing, but in reverse. So let's say you pick a two and you miss it. You can use your second chance and you get to pick one of these numbers and you get to answer, uh, get a question. If you get it correct, you don't lose those points. You end up getting those points. So if it's two, instead of negative two, you're going to get two points. Does that make sense so far, everybody? Nice. So yep. now where the extra comes yeah. in, just like the other one, if you get it incorrect and Dylan gets it incorrect, you you don't lose any extra points, but you get the negative still. So how many power-ups do we get? You're going to get three. You can choose to, if you want to do double or nothing or whatever. I guess I guess you could, if you, I mean, if you miss all three questions, I guess you can do three second chances. But the most important rule is if on that second chance, if you get it incorrect and Dylan gets it correct, you are out of the game. Alrighty. That is a callback to, uh, I believe, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And mm -hmm. and even further back, you just got killed by Kylo. <laughs> oh, before yeah. he was on the pod. Shit. I forgot about Major that. throwback. I wonder why you forgot about that, Pat. Fucked down by Film <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> Corey and I were sober, and you guys were freaking trashed all in the same room. That was a tough pot. But anyway... So I think hopefully those rules make sense to everybody. Is everyone good to go? Do you have a question? I think so. How? Yeah. Just shepherd me through of when I can use a power you up. You can use a power up, whatever you want. You get three. Since yeah. uh, since we only have three people, we're going to answer five questions. So you might want to try saving them or whatever. So. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm going to go wait, with. Who's on so the is on the schneid. Okay. Mm -hmm. so would you like to go first or, or last or whatever? I'll go last, actually. So, uh, you're just going to pick, like, the D1 and D2, you see they're in that column. They're loosely based on that category. Loosely. Same with the next two, ne next two, next two, next two. So, for the categories, we have Famous Movie Hitmen, Ralph Finds, uh, excuse me, Ray Finds Villains, Actors from Dublin, Kinda rhymes with Bruges, and chillin' with dot dot dot. So, Pappy wants to go last, so that means Corey's first. All right, let's do famous movie hitmen for two. Okay, your question: Jason Statham plays Chev Chelios in this 2006 film 
about a hitman who must keep his adrenaline pumping. What is crank? That is correct. Are you done with your turn? Yeah. Yeah, it would be too. Cool. Uh, Stevie? Um, let's do, um... Oh, let's do chillin' with for two. <laughs> uh, okay. Chillin' with for two. You shouldn't need to stew this one over. And Predator, this actor plays CIA agent Dylan. Hell. Oh. <laughs> I believe that is, um, who is, uh, Arrested Development's Carl Weathers. That's correct. I'm really glad you got that one, because the stew is definitely a joke for you. Got your stuff stew cooking. Cool. Are you done with your turn, Stevie? What can I do in advancing of this turn? You can either move on or you can do a double or nothing. You have three power-ups to use, and you have four more questions after this. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll push for now. Okay. Cool. Pap? I might regret this. Give me kind of rhymes with Bruges for three. Okay. This 1987 film starring William Hurt and Albert Brooks went 0 for 7 at the Academy Awards. Said 73? 87. Sorry, 87? Uh, but went 0 for 7 at the Academy Awards. Yeah, 0 for 7. Yeah, was, yeah. Wow. Ouch. I don't know. Um... Smagooch? <laughs> <that correct? laughs> well, how can you forget about Smagooches? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Anybody? Is it? Wait, doesn't he? Before we say, doesn't oh, he get a chance? Yeah, but not for. Yeah, he can. Oh, this, not for that not for same this, question. Yeah. I actually don't know. Anyway, is it so. broadcast Anybody? news? Is that it? There we go. It is correct. Oh. Kind of oh. rhymes with breeze. Oh shit! This guy's good. <laughs> oh no! <Yeah>. Oh boy! <laughs> Okay, so can I double or nothing a negative? Or no? <laughs> no, you could do the you do the second chance, but you know I'm burning early. Give me a second chance. You know that if you miss this and he he gets it right, you're out. You're out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's a risk. I'm risk. I'm D one through D ten. Which would you like? These are, and they're, they're in no particular order of difficulty. No. Like no. I mean, remember. I mean, difficulties. Subjective. I mean, give me D seven. D seven. It's going to be loosely based on this category. Okay. D seven. This controversial two-part film series from 2013 was written and directed by Lars von Trier and was shot mostly in Belgium. And this is kind of rhymes with Bruges. No, no, is that category. No, oh. it's Belgium. Um, it's not Splagooge. Um, Lars von Trier. What year? 2013. I don't know. I don't have a guess. Dylan. Oh, no. Pappy, I know it. You th- no! You think you know it? it? I think I know it. Oh, this Pap. guy's good. I don't, I don't want to kill this early, man. But I... I I, I feel like, I, you know, I got to pull a Harry. I got to be honorable. If I know it, I got to say it, you know, I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah, hold shoot back. happy in the head. <laughs> exactly. I think it's Nymphomaniac. That is <sighs> correct. Oh, happy, I'm shit. sorry. Wow. I'm sorry, Pat. He's got fucked down. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. Got to be honorable. 
Corey? Yeah. Sorry, Pat. Never seen it. I was just looking at it on Letterboxd the other day. Though. I didn't know it until Lars von Trier. I don't, that for some reason, that was like, ah, there it is. It's very weird. They have people having sex. Main big actor Shia LaBeouf, like erect. Stellan Skarsgård, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But it's literally, <laughs> it's literally CGI'd with porn stars. <laughs> what? With porn actors. So when you see his wiener, it's somebody else's. CGI'd in there. Vigo Mortensen would never. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> He's authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, round round two. Ralph finds villains for two. Rafe, <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's Rafe. That's how it's finds, pronounced. Finds voice voices this pharaoh in the Prince of Egypt. It's not just called Pharaoh, I guess. That's um. what that's what Brittany <laughs> said. She goes, Isn't it Pharaoh? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this um, but I can't pull it so I'm gonna say I don't know anybody no clue I know it yeah I figured you did who I is think? it is it Ramses Ramses yep Ramses that's right I feel that's I feel my I don't blame myself because it, it all was crappy but I feel like if I would have known earlier on that we were going to do five questions, I would have had, you know, Dylan had to get two right and kill you. But I just feel bad for Pat. <laughs> can, we, can we reincarnate? Listen, if I would have known Film <laughs> Dylan was going to have honor, I never would have <laughs> double or nothing. All right. So, Corey missed. Uh, are you going to keep it that way? I mean, I'd be, I sure would be scared of Dylan, but hey. <laughs> Would that just end the game if he misses this and I got it right? Would that be it? Holy crap. Yeah, you're right. I'd um, be really mad because I worked really hard on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brett, let's keep the game alive. Okay. Punt. Yeah. Because he will right. get it right. <laughs> Stevie. Um, let's do famous movie Hitman for three. Okay. What? actor plays ruthless hitman Kirill in 2004's The Born Supremacy. <sighs> Kyril, Kirill, Cairo, Kylo Ren, I don't know. This. <laughs> I vaguely remember what this man looks like, and I don't think it's Carl Urban. Um, <sighs> just for fuck's sake, let's just say who is Carl Urban. I can't remember. That is correct. Whoa. No way! It is Carl Urban. He's the one who shoots. Get the fuck out of here! He shoots him at the beginning. Nice, nice job. That's <laughs> just who I thought it looked like. Awesome. It is Carl Urban. Yep, that's funny. Nice. Okay. All right, let's play some catch up and do uh, chilling with for three. Chilling with for three. Dylan, Texas, is the fictionalized setting of this show that debuted on NBC in 2006 and ran for five seasons. I don't think I understand this category. <laughs> Rhymes with chillin'. Chillin' with, with film Dylan. Chillin' with Dylan, Texas. I must be a show I've never seen, so I don't know. You give up then? Yeah, don't know the answer. Anybody? Friday Night Lights? That was it is Friday Night Lights. It is a show I've never seen. Stevie's, Stevie's hot tonight, go. boys. Uh, why, why is All that right. chilling with? 
Dylan, Texas? Dylan, Texas. Yeah. Oh. In the first one was CIA agent Dylan. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Plus, we're chilling with, like you said, what do Phil I have, Dylan. Five? Second chance. Let's Ooh. go. Ooh. Oh, ho, ho. All right. Pick your poison. Uh, D9. You're pretty full of yourself. Um, <laughs> oh. Forrest Gump uses Bob Dylan's song about two particular rainy day women. Which ones are they? Pretty high difficulty on this one, I'd say. Say it again. Forrest Gump uses Bob Dylan's song about two particular rainy day women. Which ones are they? Don't know. Dylan? I 100% do not know this. Uh, so I'm going to, yeah, just just pass on by. Stevie? I don't even I don't understand the question. I'm excited Jenny? to hear this. Is Jenny one? I was... Th- I was... I was thinking about adding another clue about numbers. Oh, Bob Dylan and his number songs. Yeah, the song is Rainy Day Women 12 and 35. Oh. So, yeah, again, sorry, I guess that was probably a really hard one. But you don't lose any extra. So that leaves you with... Zero? What are the scores? He was at zero. He's at negative three. Still my game. Did you you got one right earlier? Corey? Yeah. Okay, cool. So what are the scores right. then? Corey negative three, Stevie five, Pappy fucked down by Dylan. <laughs> Alright. Okay, let's go with um actors from Dublin for two. Brendan Gleason's son, Donald, plays this general in the Star Wars sequel. Yes. Would have been Is perfect name- for me. Isn't his name like Dumwall? It's it's spelled weird, but it's pronounced Donald. It's pronou- It's spelled Dom H Nal. Ah, the M and the H are silent. It's like General. I I don't know because I hate those movies. I'll say General Hobbs. I don't know. Ooh, Kylo. It's, it's Hux the Cucks. <laughs> Hux the Cucks. Good mm. job. No bonus points, but do you know his first uh, first name? Uh, yes. Ah, uh, fuck. Um. That's. You can get back to me. Uh, Stevie, what you doing? Double or nothing, D3. Oh, Ooh. Jesus. Ooh. He's getting. Hold on. Okay. I want to make sure. Stevie, you had. Okay, so you had five points. Yeah. But you can't double or nothing because you didn't get it right. So, the second chance. Second chance. You sure? sure? Yeah, second chance it. Okay, you have a big lead. I also like to live dangerously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what number are you picking? D three. D three. Oh. The worst Mighty Ducks movie. Is that the one where they go through glass in the beginning? No. Mm-hmm. Faintly remember that intro. That's one they go to prep school. Okay. D three. What nickname was given to killer Francis Dollarhide in the Red Dragon novel and films? And no, the answer is not Red Dragon. I'm nervous for you. Oh, man. Same. Um, This is one of those things I think I know, but I'm almost embarrassed to say because I could be way off. 
if I had to guess, because my wife and I just watched this last year. <sighs> you guys not like not make fun of me if I guess it. Guess I, it. No, I won't make fun of you. I, I, this is probably wrong. Uh, I'll say who is the Tooth Fairy. That's a hell of a guess. That is correct. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Look at that. Let's fucking go. We also just watched Manhunter, and they did it mm-hmm. in that, too. Who big lead, but there's... Uh, Corey's still got two power-ups and two more questions to go, so this game ain't over yet. All right, well, let's go Score with... Score update, um, eight, eight to negative three. Uh, Risk it all, Corey. Yeah, I got it right. Uh, Ralph go. finds villains for three. Finds plays this legendary villain and foil to Sherlock Holmes in 2008's Holmes and Watson. Who is Moriarty? That's correct. Nice Let's job. Go. Double or nothing? Double or nothing. Let's go. <sighs> this might end the game if you miss it. Big moves from Corey. No, I thought, you, far scores, I thought you just go down. Just as far as scores go. Just yeah. as far as oh, scores yeah. go. Okay, okay, sorry. Because he'd be getting negative. Okay. What is your pick? D1. Oh, God. Okay. In the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lee Van Cleef plays a hired gun simply known as this. He's the ugly, right? No. I don't know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even guess. Actually, if if Dylan doesn't get this right, you're still in it. I'd say there's a good chance Corey will still be in it. I'm racking my brain. But I don't think I know it. I will take a guess, though. Ah, uh, man. It's going to hit me once once I hear the answer. I'll be like, ah, duh. I'm just going to say, and this is dumb, but I'm just going to say the man in black. I don't know. Pat or Stevie? No, the British podcast distracted me from enjoying that pod, so I don't remember. <laughs> Ugla. <laughs> Blacked it out. So nobody knows nope. it? Okay, and he's only referred to this by the ugly, but he's the bad, and his it goes by angel eyes. Oh, oh, oh shit. yeah. Larry, as before yeah. you were going to say that, the angel part occurred to me, but I would have just guessed angel, so uh. I still have gotten it wrong. <laughs> okay, so Corey doesn't... Corey gets zero on that, so he'd still be oh, negative sorry. three. Negative but three, yep. He's still alive, that's what matters. All right, Stevie. I'll do uh, famous hitman movies for one. Name either one of the hitmen played by Samuel L. Jackson or John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. I will first and last. I haven't decided yet. Well, I mean, their <laughs> names are Jules and Vincent. That's good enough for me. I think last name was Vern and Vega. Jules Winfield. Jules Winfield, Jules Winfield okay, yeah. Vincent Vega. Uh, yeah. Yep, that's good enough for me, though. All right, He's cool. on fire. I have a feeling he's not going to go... Shoot, we can go another round because we have all these extra categories. <laughs> can I uh, go... You're welcome. Uh, can I do another power-up or no? Sure. Yeah. I mean... Can I, I, do like double you... or... can I do double or nothing? You can. I believe... Is this going to be his last one, Pap, or does he have one left still? Oh, he has one left still. Okay. Yeah, you can do... Okay. Can you double or nothing D4? What? 
was Lord Voldemort's full name at birth, including his middle name. <laughs> Tom, who is Tom Marvolo, Marvolo Riddle? That is correct. He's hot tonight, boys. Wow. We just talked about that on the phone the other day. Did oh, we did. It's an, yeah. <laughs> so hot right now. Handsome. I always chuckle at that pronunciation. All right, so that's, what, just two points. I don't know what... You got that score? Yeah. All right. Yeah, is it 10? I mean, I'll leave it up to... I'll leave it up to Stevie if he wants to go two more rounds, but it's up to you guys. It's It's midnight. Corey, what do you think? I think we can call it safely. All right, let's safely call it then. A gentleman's concession. (laughs) Oh, oh, so you don't want to play anymore? Okay. Is that what the it's midnight comment was gearing me in the direction of? No, definitely not. I I worked hard on this. I'll I'll read every single freaking question. We have at least one more round, regular round. I just, we have extra questions since Pappy's not in. We could keep going. It's up to you guys. I don't don't have anywhere to be. Pick a category. All right. Actors from Dublin for one. Gabriel Byrne played Father Andrew Kiernan in this spoilers pick by Brother Jordan. What is stigmata? Correct. Nice. Nice. Are we are we done? Probably. Is it my turn? Probably should save it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, rhymes of Bruges for two. Oh wait, are you done, Corey? For yep. now? Okay. Rhymes of Bruges for yeah. two? Yeah. This stillmaker from the Midwest was known for his coming of age teen drama comedy films, especially in the 80s. Who is John Hughes? That's correct. Actors from Dublin for three, if it's my turn. (laughs) Yeah, it's your turn. This Irish actor both played Dumbledore and fits this category. Mm. Alright, so let me think. There's Jude Law. He's one Dumbledore. There's... Um... The guy from Toys. It's just so funny that I know exactly what you're talking about. And then there's uh, the guy who died. The guy with the, the really raspy Dumbledore? My boy. I think it might be the guy from Toys, but I can't remember his name. Despite how many times Steve said that name when we did the podcast. He said it like four hundred well, times. I, <laughs> I, rail, I rail on him all the time. I think he's a great actor. I think he's a bad Dumbledore. I think the first, the guy who dies name is Richard something. No, I don't know. I'll say who is Jude Law. That's the one I got. <laughs> Incorrect. Anybody? No. Is it Michael Gambon or something like that? Is that it? It is, it is Michael Gambon. Uh-huh. That's his fucking name. He is from Dublin, and Richard Harris, who's also Irish, is from Limerick. Ooh. And Jude Law is from England, I believe. Okay, so you have, you got a power up. Yeah, let's go with whatever I have. You got a second chance. I think it's your last one. Send it. You need it. You need it real bad. All right. Second <laughs> chance. D2. Okay. What was the name of the old and powerful martial arts master that trained Bill and his assassins in Kill Bill Volume 2? Uh, over to Film Dylan. Mm. Uh, this is another one where it's like it's going to hit when you say it, but I, I don't know it. I don't know it. Stevie knows it. Who is Pi May? Pi May. Yep. That rings a bell. I'm sorry, Corey. I'm... 
I wanted these to be hard, but I wanted them to be gettable too. So <laughs> the one time I'm going to be free to edit and I'm not hosting an episode. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want me to go through the rest of the questions and just declare Steve sure. the winner? Sure. Is that a, a concession you'll make? Let's do it. All right. L- last questions. Ray Fiennes, go ahead and just shout him out. Fiennes plays Amen Goethe. That's my great German. <laughs> A real-life sadistic commandant for the SS in the Spielberg film. What is Schindler's List? Yep. The English Patient. <laughs> kind of rhymes with Bruges. This was for Josh, to make Josh laugh, but since I hear, And Van Wilder, the basketball coach, for the first time in his life, is glad he's dead because he can't hear what? <laughs> the boo. The booze. <laughs> okay, and last one. Chilling with, in Rugrats, Tommy's younger brother is known by what nickname? Dill? What is Stewie? Wait. Um, You're right. No. Dill. Dill. Fuck. Dill Pickles. Everyone could answer here. Yeah, we're just his name is Dylan. Out there, right? All right. I'm going to use the last one real quick, okay? Yep. Lightning uh, round. D5. After Heath Ledger died while filming the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Well, let's get Dylan get first shot at these. Colin Farrell took over the role with two other actors. Name those actors. Ah, uh, no shot. Was Johnny Depp one of them? Johnny Depp is that one of them. Out. Okay. I don't know the other. The other guy has been said recently by somebody else. Oh, I think it was Carl Urban. Carl Urban again? Is it Carl Urban? No. Oh, say. <laughs> Michael <Anybody>? Gambon. Jude, <laughs> Jude Law. Jude Law. <laughs> there we go. Okay. <laughs> D6. Brendan Gleeson was in Gangs of New York. He was in the Irish Catholic gang called the Dead Rabbits. And they fought against the Protestant Confederation of American Natives. What were the nicknames of the two gang leaders at the start of the film? I have not seen it. Dylan? I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. That's a weird movie because it's got great performances and really bad performances in it. It's on the watch Anybody? list. Is Bill the Butcher? The butcher. Bill, Bill the Butcher, yeah. Oh, okay. What was uh, Liam Neeson's name? <laughs> the racist. I don't remember. <laughs> Pri- the, he was the priest. Mm. Ah, okay. I gotcha. D8. The title location from this 2016 Tim Burton film was located in Belgium. What year? 2016. What did he make in 2016? What? What is Dumbo? Wait. I think that was like a little later. This says noticeably longer <laughs> title than Dumbo. <laughs> I could just go up based on the year. <sighs> I thought maybe Pat would know. Is it, it about a school uh, with kids with oh, special powers? I got it. It is. What is it? Um, Mrs. Oh, yeah. Um, I, fucking, I know the next word. The I Wonder think. Emporium. You got it, Dylan? Is it per- Mrs. Peregrine? Something or other? Miss Peregrine's. Miss Peregrine's School, school? for Peculiar Children something? Yeah. Close. <laughs> Close. Miss Peregrine took. <laughs> home, home for Peculiar Children Who Can't Read Good. Yeah. <laughs> last one. Last one, guys. D10. And I know our other friend of the pod, uh, Dave, would get this. Dylan O'Brien played the main character in this science fiction franchise from the 2010s. Ah, I know. Oh, fun. Maze Runner. Dylan? Maze Runner. Maze, Maze Runner. Runner. Brittany goes, I don't know who that is. I'm like, uh, he was in that All Too Well video by Taylor Swift. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I don't know who that is. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you for bearing with me. It was really fun for me, at least. Sorry, Pat. Corey, wasn't your day. Uh, Pat, what, do you want to wait till next week to do the stuff? Uh... 
Or do you want to get keep it in your quick? Keep the spoiler man now. Nah, it's, it's okay. We'll do All it right, next week. Let's go ahead and kick it to spoiler man, and then I'll come back with Stevie's pick. Special thank you to our patrons. Matt Troll. Bruce is a shithole. Bruce is not a shithole. Bruce is a shithole. Right, we've only just got off the fucking train. Brother Brian. But we reserve judgment on Bruce until we've seen the fucking I place. know it's going to be a shithole. Druid King. Ken, I grew up in Dublin. Nick. I love Dublin. If I'd grown up on a farm. The Meg. Bruce might impress me, but I didn't, so it doesn't. Nurse Stacy. And you think it's okay to come over to Belgium and a fuck another man's girl? Look. The Wolf. I didn't know she had a boyfriend, all right? And I hadn't fucked her anyway. Ask her. I'd only put my hand on it. Barky 420. You can't sell a horse tranquilizers to a midget. PK. I didn't even know where Bruce fucking was. Spencer. It's in Belgium. Gale. Well, technically, your bare hands can kill somebody, too. They can be deadly weapons, too. I mean, what if you knew karate, say? Swole. He said he was a lollipop man. He was a lollipop man. What's a lollipop man doing now in fucking karate? Cheese zombie. I'm just saying. How old is he? Sebastian. Oh, 50. What's a 50-year-old lollipop man doing now in fucking karate? What was he, a Chinese lollipop man? Dr. Lars. Number one, why aren't you in when I fucking told you to be in? Number two, why doesn't this hotel have phones with fucking voicemail and not I have to leave messages with a fucking receptionist? Number three, you better fucking be in tomorrow night when I fucking call again or there'll be fucking hell to pay, I'm fucking telling you. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Be sure to check out Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, Click on our orange Spoilers Bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. Uh, hey, we're back. Uh, Stevie, what is our next movie in the movie game going to be? Now, this is a movie I saw as a young kid. Um... Loved it. Saw it as an adult again. Loved it even more. It's one of those movies where you're just like, this is a knockoff of so many movies before it, but it's enjoyable as hell. I'm going to go with 1995's Jean-Claude Van Damme's vehicle, Sudden Death. Nice. Ooh, that's the hockey one, right? <laughs> that's the hockey one. <laughs> oh my god, Brittany's going to hate that movie. She's going to say, go ahead and watch that yourself. Nope, I cannot wait to spoil that. Alright, guys, I... Love that we did this movie. I'm so glad that Dylan joined us. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I had such a great time. Cine Study Pod. Cine, yeah, Patreon, go ahead. Why don't you go and plug Thank yourself? You so much. College grad, why don't you plug yourself? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then why don't you? Why don't you send it to Spoiler Man when you're done? Oh no, I can't. Take it away. I can't, I take it away, I can't steal that honor. I can't. I can't. All right. All right. <laughs> but I will. I will say, if you do want to hear more from me, uh, it's it's Cine Study Podcast. Some of the guys from here have 
have been on the pod before talking top 10 of the 90s and the 80s. So if those are your decades. I wasn't, I wasn't invited for those. <laughs> hey, all, all spoiler <laughs> men are welcome for future uh, decade countdowns. But uh, yeah, so if you if those decades pique your interest, you can come check out some familiar voices on that. But uh, kind of few and far between on episodes recently, hoping I can get back into it. But uh, yeah, something, something in the can to come down the line shortly, I'm sure. So. Yeah, send yeah, a study you podcast. Send a study on uh, wherever, wherever IG you listen. As well, yeah. And, yeah, wherever you listen. Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, again, congratulations on the, the graduation. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have you build uh, a plane for me to fly in, and you know, I think it'll hopefully it'll it'll run. So, all right, sounds good. Um, yeah. <laughs> everybody, thanks for bearing with us. I hope you guys like the trivia. I hope you guys like the episode. Uh, take it away, spoiler man. the computer again because i had to fix trivia for the fourth time tonight and it just caught the pop i was set up for pod i had to move the i I blame mikey i swear dude you gotta just put the cap on all right i have to restart my computer boys i'm sorry but i'll stay on the line with you right now no worries (sighs) dude if worst case scenario i can take it from the skype call Worst case scenario. I usually don't listen to those episodes. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's pretty bad. Oh, I'm going to go. I probably need to apologize to Brittany, and then I'm going to get a pop. Move the, cap Put the cap on. I'll, I'll keep the cap on, okay? All right. No cap. No cap. Never understood that. Wait, Brett. You guys, he was having like a meltdown when I got <laughs> Was he? Yeah. He can still hear He just can't talk. No, I'm, I'm whispering. <laughs> so you rebooted, Stevie? Uh, I'm trying. I see Mickey. And a bunch of Tune My Mac shit. Ignore. Well, yeah, I have to close it like, as soon as it opens. Otherwise, it starts to spread like wildfire. <laughs> Every podcast is the cusp of not being able to pod. Dude, this this <laughs> Mac is 10 years old. I'm terrified of this next year. We'd figure something out. They make converters for microphone to phone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Worst case scenario. Worst case Ontario. Worst case Ontario, I like that. All right, I'm going to end this and try to get on Skype. Okay. Deuce. Uh, what's up, Dylan? Uh, don't worry hey, about Dylan. it. We've I've had a crazy hour. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just was driving back from uh, seeing Spider-Verse. The new Spider-Verse. Oh, oh, yeah. You motherfucker. It was, it was pretty fun, I got to say. Super creative like the last one in terms of like, the animation and stuff. I really want to watch that. Cool. Yeah, I recommend did you get my Corey? Why you message about uh, Mikey Balin? Yes, I did. That's unfortunate. <coughs> Forge ahead. So where is it? It's in the folder. Yeah, it's in the folder. Has anybody else got a chance to look at the rule 
it's a special. It yeah, I took a glance at him. Um, it's not that crazy. It looks crazy, but it's really not. And we can yeah. walk through it. But I want I don't want you guys to be hearing about it for the first time. Here, here's the thing. Like, you know, we know how to Hello? put performance Jeopardy. From there, we'll what's say, up? all right, what's Stevie? next? Can you hear yeah, me clearly? Let's go. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. You're clear, Stevie. Hold on. Keep talking. Yeah, technical difficulties. All right. Oh, yeah. Figuring them out. Okay. I don't, Shit. guys, I don't have a good, like, I don't have a funny spoiler at all. So I'm just going to, like, <laughs> I'm just picking a line from the movie that probably only Dylan will pick up on, but. You know how much. <laughs> shit i've taken from black midgets over the years yeah i mean <laughs> this is like, i was really hoping you said something about the midgets i'm like i'm not gonna say the word midget just, dude that line <laughs> that happy just said that's the winner yeah you yeah happy would say that i would yeah dude. <laughs> Bold you want i can to... even never mind that's offensive <laughs> i can kick it to you pap nah happy's gonna open with a nice yeah, fake out the, the, the crowd dude i've already, I've already... I like listen back to that Fast and Furious episode, and I just like yell cunts into the microphone within five seconds of me starting. Like Jesus Christ! <laughs> you set a good precedent. Now I can just say whatever I feel like, you know. Yeah. I have my uh, questions. I was gonna ask. Uh, once the pop fell, I had to quickly move them under my gun. So, uh, but I have really? I have five. I have to take two away. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah. Do you podcast was... strapped? <laughs> strapped? No, but it's, it's on the table next to me. Yeah. Well, it's loaded, but it's not chambered. So. Where's it pointed? Away. It's pointed towards the wall that leads outside. Gun safety, Brett. I <laughs> always practice gun safety. Stevie. What's happening? Let's go. Dylan, how have you been? I'm pretty good. Uh just kind of busy wrapping up school and now just kind of trying to decompress. I didn't, I didn't really, I haven't seen a lot of movies lately. I haven't been able to podcast. I have one episode recorded and in the can, I just got to edit it, um, which would be an ordeal, but I just, yeah, it's been a, been a lot of random stuff going on. What Are you kind graduating? Of yeah. I just graduated. Yeah. I just graduated Hell yeah. undergrad. Yeah. Congrats. I'm done. Nice. <laughs> undergrad. Nice. Yep. Took, yep. took me, uh, 13 years to graduate undergrad. Hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> and then it took me 18 months to do my master's. So, congratulations, man. Yep, yeah, good job. Look at that. You're like uh, in the chat. an engineer, Claps right? I am. Yeah. You're a lo- you're a lunatic that went into that field. Which I, I am. I've <laughs> only what heard people lunatics. say how fucking hard it is to work in that field. <laughs> what, ki- what kind? I-, I hope it's not much harder than the four years I just did. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> what kind? What kind of uh, engineering? Uh, mechanical. Nice. I have a friend who's a mechanical engineer. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it, but it's definitely been uh, overwhelming. I also, I get to talk about this now that I've graduated. I was our college mascot, so that <laughs> took a lot of what? time as well. <laughs> what college did you go to? UVA. So I was our, oh, our cool. Cavalier, Cavman. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so you on TV? Probably, yeah. If you ever saw a UVA game, it was probably me. But Tony Bennett so boring. I mean, I acknowledge that our brand of basketball is boring, but it wins most of the time. Yeah. So okay, we're getting man. a plushie, and we're going to have it in Michigan, guys. Film oh, Dylan yeah. is going to be with us in spirit. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, who are we waiting on? No one. We're all here. Waiting on That's anybody? It. The rest have canceled. 
You're good to go, Stevie. I'm is this good. you? Wait, is this you? Can you confirm? Corey, do you have? Do I have? Uh, yeah, that's definitely me. That's definitely me. <laughs> that is hideous. Why is your Why is your face so big? Do you have a condition? A, it's, yeah, it's a condition. I can't do much about it, unfortunately. That is a horrifying <laughs> mascot. <laughs> yeah, strikes fear. But it, yeah, I would say. I mean, which college mascots are not? You know, Dude, those are I, somewhat concerning. I'm, I'm pretty sure the mascot from Freaks and Geeks is based on this monstrosity. <laughs> All right, let's get it. Let's get it yeah. popping. All right. Let me finish this carrot. Sorry. Yeah, can you? Testing, 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 testing. I'm trying to eat healthier. That's fine. Can you eat away from the mic for me? I'm not I'm not being a dick. Can you do that for I'm me? Not, I'm, I'm eating as far away as I can. <laughs> Bro, he's got to edit it, Brett. I'm not eating anymore. But it doesn't bother him, Corey. No, sorry. I popped a whole baby carrot in my mouth. No. Mistake. Um. All right. Um... Happy, why don't you come down? Hell yes. <laughs> All right. On go. Three, two, one, go. That was spoilers.